1: at men, godly men and godly women that God has used in the ministry. You got someone like Billy Graham and Charles Spurs and Chuck Smith and Corey Boom, What an incredible godly woman. You gotta read her story. You gotta it wasn't their intellect, it wasn't their looks. It wasn't because they were accepted by the majority. They were the least and that's exactly who God calls.
0: God prefers to use those who are humble. When he sent his son into the world, he didn't choose the wealthiest, most powerful family to provide comfort and safety. He chose a humble virgin, engaged to be married. Women were very second-rate citizens in that time, especially unmarried women. Yet, that's who God chose to bring his son into the world. Today, Pastor Eddie will remind us that God loves and uses the least among us for his purposes. Well... Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Paul's Ministry to the Thessalonians.
1: Came in and said, "You know, the Lord is calling one." And then he was looking at some when one of Benjamin's sons. Oh, he's tall, handsome. wow he stood off from the crowd. That's the one. The Lord said, "No, Samuel, That's not the one." You look at the outward. I look at the heart. And he said, "Where's these? Are all your sons? Ah, I just got the youngest one. He's out in the yard in the field. He smells like sheep. He's taking care of the sheep. But uh, you just go on and anoint whoever you think is going to mean. No, bring him in. That was the one." The youngest one that smells like sheep. Gideon, you have too many people, Gideon. We're going, you're going to go into battle. Gideon, you have too many people. Lord, oyve, vey, that's like 15,000. Uh, that's too much. 300, Lord? Yes, lest you get the glory. How many loaves of bread and fishes does this young boy has, this young lad has? Uh, a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. We got to feed almost 5,000. Jesus, oyve, you're killing me. Just get them on, pray and guess what happens? See, God doesn't call to qualify, He qualifies to call. You know, when you look at men, godly men and godly women that God has used in the ministry. You got someone like Billy Graham and Charles Spurs and Chuck Smith and Corey Tamboon. What an incredible, godly woman. You gotta read her story. You gotta. It wasn't their intellect, it wasn't their looks. It wasn't because they were accepted. the majority they were the least and that's exactly who God calls so once he approved not because they're so smart they got a Bible degree or whatever it doesn't matter it's because how genuine and faithful they are you know you start looking at Look, I grew up as a Christian, and I grew up you know, admiring Billy Graham. And I said, I'm going to be a Billy Graham one day. And as you grow up, you say, realize, man, I got far to go. Not only is he taller than me, I'm not going to get tall. I'm going to stay short. But this man is, golly, God used him. You ever go to his museum? I encourage you, if you're in the North Carolina area, just go. Every time I'm crossing there, I went twice. I'm looking for the third time. But amazing how God could use a man. Why? He was genuine he was faithful he wasn't looking for prestige he wasn't looking to be famous how many people they pray lord i want to be used by you mightily lord give me a stage with a thousand five thousand an arena with fifty thousand people what's your motive what's your motive god doesn't answer prayers like this and listen (laughs) uh yeah i know Uh, really god knows why you're asking to be that you know to be used that mightily it's because god knows he knows the motive I'm content where God has me, because the more I get, the more trouble there will be. But Paul was found faithful. He was genuine. He was tested. Verse 4, he said, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. When Paul preached the gospel, uh, he didn't preach and care to find out what people would think about him, but he cared what God thought about him which is another reason why Paul had this boldness. You want more boldness, it comes from the Holy Spirit, but you know what can kind of diffuse that boldness is when you worry about what people are going to say. You get the boldness because it comes from God, and you do it because you know you're going to please God and honor God with it. That's another reason. The fear of the Lord wipes out the fear of man. And as the Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. That's something we don't have nowadays. That's a come in any, every level in our, in our society, around the world. Can you imagine nothing and no one is being respected? There's no fear of leadership, any leadership. We're told to rebel, to go against and fight. You see, Paul was a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. And that's something we ought to be, is a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. And you can't fool God. God knows the heart here. He, he tests the heart. God knows the heart. He examines the heart. When you serve in ministry, God tests your heart. He knows your motives. He knows whether or not if you are going to please him or man. Verse 5, he says, For neither at any time do we use flattering words as you know. Paul never used flattery to, with the Thessalonians to anyone. A flatterer is a person who manipulates rather than communicates. Flattery is saying something to someone to get something from someone. It is manipulation. It is witchcraft. There shouldn't be a Christian who has a relationship with Jesus Christ that uses flattery on anyone at any time. Christians shouldn't practice flattery. He said, for neither at any time do we use flattering words, as you know, nor cloak for covetousness. God is our witness. Man can see flattery. It could be exposed. We can see that when someone tries to use flattering words. We can see that. That could be observed by man with the eye. But one thing man cannot uh, examine is covetousness. That's in the heart. That's why he says God is witness. God knows when we covet. God knows when we covet, we say, oh, you know, I wish I had a house like that. Or I wish I had a car like that. Or I wish I had a husband or a wife like that. I'm speaking as a man, so I'm going to say if a man says a husband, right? Because that's the way we believe it. In the beginning, God made him both man and woman. But when you covet, God sees the heart. In other words, what Paul is saying, you know, when we share the gospel to you in Thessalonica, you know, we didn't do that uh, to try to use flattery uh, to let you know we're so spiritual and holy, and you too could be spiritual and holy because after I, I'm nice with you and I share the gospel with you, I like what you have in your, in your tool shop, you know, on the bench there, or I like what you have at home, or I want, or they have need of money. Now, the, the, the Thessalonians, they weren't that... Well off, and we're going to see that. But Paul says, God is my witness. I have to tell you, I have personally witnessed a pastor go out of his way to minister to a person because he covered what he had. He was able to get it, by the way. And God sees that, and God's going to judge that. People can witness flattery, of course, but not covetousness. That is why Paul said, I appeal to God. Verse 6, nor do we seek glory from men either from you or from others. Paul did not seek glory, esteem, honor, or praise for man. Remember, he is a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. The only glory that Paul cared for, the only glory that you and I as Christians should care for is eternal glory. It's the glory we will have with Jesus Christ when we enter his kingdom forever and ever. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He says, May the God of all grace, who calls us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus. Verse 6, Nor do we see glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. What demands Paul uh, could have made to the Thessalonians as an apostle? As an apostle, what is he referring to here? As an apostle, Paul could have demand to be put up in a fancy hotel, to be served the finest foods, uh, to be given gifts and even payments. Now, we do have guests that come and and either they share their testimony uh, or they preach and they fill the pulpit. And we do bless them as a church. We give them an honorarium. And if they live far away and we need them, hey, we'll put them up in a hotel. That's expected. But Paul didn't expect that. Though in those days it was very... Very common. As a matter of fact, it was very common in the Roman Emperor, Empire during those days that traveling philosophers and orators, they, what they would do is they would uh, go from place to place. They would entertain the people. They would try to gather family, uh, uh, a following for fame and for fortune and for money. So it was very common in those days. And so when it came to the church, as the church birthed out, this is something that it was obvious that the church would do when you have traveling ministers or pastors that they would be taken care of. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And so Paul could have said, we could have made demands, but we didn't. Paul did not want to burden them. And so the Thessalonians, uh, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Paul worked while he was at Thessalonica for those three weeks. And we're going to touch that a little bit more when we get to verse 9. So Paul cared about them to share the gospel. He didn't care about whether or not he was going to be put up in a hotel, whether he's going to sleep in a comfortable bed and get paid or get fed. He didn't care. Look at verse 7. He says, but we were gentle among you. I could have made demands. But we were gentle among you. How gentle were they, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children? Paul used this illustration, and when Paul says, "We, the plural pronoun here, always remember is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul, they could have demanded uh, you, know, you know money, but they didn't. Instead, they demonstrated loving care for the Thessalonians. How loving was it? just as a nursing mother would cherish her own children. And I think only mothers can know this. Only a mother can understand this. You can have a professional nurse take care of your baby. You can have a babysitter. You can have family. You can have the grandparents. You can have a friend to provide the physical needs for a baby. But only a mother who cherishes her own child. There's nothing like it. Nothing can replace a mother nursing her child. You cannot be a nursing mother and turn your baby over to someone else. The baby must be in your arms next to your heart as you feed it. And that illustration right there is what Paul's saying. We're like a nursing mother. Whether some of the guys understand that or not, but you could see it. There's nothing like a mother nursing their child. Verse 8. He says, so affectionately longing for you. Now, the Greek word affectionately uh, is in, is just only used one time here in the New Testament. It means longing for someone passionately and earnestly. And that's what he said. We long for you. And so affectionately longing for you, he says, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. And so this is classic Paul. This is a classic biblical understanding of, the, of love. And Paul, whenever he used the word love, it's always a verb. It's always doing. It's always doing. It wasn't what Paul said, but it was what Paul did. And he showed that love by how he shared the gospel and he cared for them. Now, feelings may accompany love, but it doesn't define it. You can say you love someone, but you have to, You have to prove it It's actions It's the action, the action of doing something for that person you love. And Paul always had his love was action, but we'll take it one step further. The source of the source of love is God. Paul only loved because he loved God and God loved him. But when we look at love, always remember this. It's not so much. And Paul writes it. I don't know the Bible verse. It's not so much that you love God. It's that God loves you. That's the important thing, is that God loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, John writes this. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for, the lo- for love is of God, and everyone who love is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, this is some strong words, does not know God. And here it is, for God is love. Paul says, we loved you so much that we gave our own lives. And here's how Paul and Timothy showed their love. Let's look at verse 9. It said, for you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day. They worked. That's what he's saying. When we were there at Thessalonica for three weeks, three Sabbaths, we share you the gospel, but we had to work in order to support ourselves. He said that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Think about that. They're in a missionary journey. They go to a place. They They don't care if they're going to be supported or someone's going to put them up. No, they work. Paul actually was a tent maker, so most likely that's what he's probably done. That's what he's good at, you know? And so he probably worked part-time or full-time and built tents so they could get money so he could stay there and share the gospel. And so... They didn't want to burn it, burden the, the Thessalonians financially, so they worked their own. Tell that to the TV evangelists. <laughs> you know, in the same way people always question, I don't know how elected officials have become millionaires. I say the same thing about preachers and teachers, more so, because we don't do it for money. We do it for the love of Jesus Christ, whether we get paid or not. So we see that Paul's actions showed that his ministry was motivated by love, by an unselfish desire to preach the gospel of Christ, rather than to try to become wealthy. And I can tell you that I myself, you know God has tested me in that when the Lord called us almost 10 years ago. Was, this August will make 10 years since we had the Bible study. You know, Did the Bible study? I had a full-time job, Did that for two plus years? traveling, lived in Orange County, New York, would drive to New York City at night because I worked the midnight shift, get off at 8 o'clock in the morning, drive back up to Orange County, New York, take a shower. You want me to take a shower? Take a shower, get dressed, and then travel west to Lord's Valley, Hemlock Farm, where we had the Bible study. Did that for two years. Two years. And my days off, they rotated, so it wasn't like I had weekends off. Did that for two years, and it wasn't a problem. For me, because it was so exciting to see what God was doing. After six months being in that home, then we had, we were in town. We rented a little place in town there. So we were there. I was still working for a year and a half, but we were in town. And it wasn't until the Lord called me, just shy of 20 years in my uh, retirement days, shy of a year and a half, actually, for my retirement. And, you know, the church, the same thing. The church wasn't in a position to pay anybody Just barely made the rent, let alone pay a pastor. And then the Lord called me out. I said, Lord, the church can't afford me, and I'm being called out. And left the job a year and a half early, and Judy and I, we lived on seven months. We lived off our savings. We had a savings. For seven months, we lived off paying the mortgage, paying the car, and taking care of three beautiful girls. Didn't want to be a burden. We live off our savings, and God would take care of the rest. And he sure has. And now because of the church as a whole, our faithfulness to the Lord, to him, the ministry, I praise God for it. And sometimes I really think, and probably Paul, you know, I think, what would have happened if I didn't hear the word, listen, obey the word of God? And it hits me all the time. Because I'm one that God has to really knock over, (laughs) hit my head for me to pay attention and knowing my consistency of just you know sometimes making mistakes, I can only imagine if I would have not been obedient. And I I think of Paul and I think about this as well. Wow, this is what God has been doing for so many years, and then no. But here we are because of the Lord. Verse ten, he says, "For you are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe." Paul said, you are witnesses, and God is wit- also witness of how we devoutly, justly, and blamelessly were towards you. There was, a, it was It's testimony. Just love everybody. Jesus David said, love your enemies. <laughs> Pray for them who persecute you. Love everybody. That should be your goal, love everybody. There's not a person you ought to hate, not one. The Bible doesn't give us that bible verse oh yeah it's in the book of never been said chapter four (laughs) we're to love everyone verse 11 and 12 says as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charge every one of you as a father does his own children now he's Giving out the a father. That you walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. In verse 7, Paul compared himself as a nursing mother. Now he changes the figure that, uh, of that of a devoted father. Not only Paul, he expressed the nursing tender, tenderness of a mother, but now he demonstrates the strength and love of a father. So, you know, we know that's why a child needs both. Children need both mother and father there's a balance. There's a balance. With the, fa- with the father, you know, obviously, it's firm. But the goal is, and the heart behind it, is to get the children to be raised up in the ways of the Lord that they should never depart. That they will be found worthy to walk, with, to walk with the Lord. And you know how it is in family as you, you know, mothers and fathers. Mothers usually would come and say, wait till your father gets home. Right? There's a cartoon that was in the 70s about that. Wait till your father gets home. Right? Why because your father's the one that is firm. You know, moms are nursing. They're very sensitive. Fathers are not with the feelings. Let's look at facts. You broke the rule, discipline, <laughs> right? But that's what gets us. I think my father, you know, he was very, very strict. But I'm grateful in a way. My mother was always there, you know trying to get between my father and her sons, and it's very common. The father's there because he loves. It's tough love. And so that's how, that was Paul's ministry with the Thessalonians. It wasn't fake. It wasn't through flattery or trickery. It was out of love, and it it, it showed. It was action. So when Paul loved them and shared the gospel, and even worked, even had to work day and night to Support himself, that's love. To share the gospel and to teach them. They, he didn't want anything, anything from that. He didn't want to be a burden to them, so he took care of himself. I just came here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see you grow in your faith, and I want you to continue now. Now you share the gospel, and that's what they did. And that's what ministry is all about. It's not what I can get, it's what we're to give. The word ministry or minister is from the Greek word servant. Servant is the Greek word servant. And a lot of ministers think that they, are, they want to be served. And it was the other way around. I remember a pastor who was flying, uh, I think he was coming from a conference, and he was sitting next to another minister, and they, after they met, and they realized they were both in the ministry, and then uh, just about to get home, he says, oh, I got to get home. Um, I got to do the lawn. And the, the, the other minister said, you do the lawn? Well, he said, yeah, I do my lawn. The other guy said to him, well, what would your neighbors think? What do you mean what the neighbors would think? I'm a human being just like everybody else. But that minister had everything taken care of for him. He had people serve him rather than he serve. The word minister means serving. Jesus, what did Jesus say? I did not come to be served, but to serve. And he did that very well. Amen. I'm
0: running Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of First Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry
1: would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the loss to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's fair will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, You can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com.
0: We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.